Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Chris B was born and grew up in Hong Kong and has been involved in the city's live music scene since 1990. She heads up the underground, an organization that promotes local bands, has made compilation CDs, run band competitions, hosted more than 200 shows in Hong Kong, plus music festivals, including the FWD Mellow Yellow Festival in September. She also does blogs on what's happening in the local music scene. The Underground turns Sweet 16 this month. some listeners as a singer and guitarist for a number of bands over the past decades, including Sisters of Sharon in the 1990s and later Thinking Out Loud. In this week's programme, I talked to Crispy about some of her musical influences, those local bands she's helped promote, some of whom have gone on to widespread success, and also how musicians are coping and using their time during the current coronavirus pandemic. When I was growing up, if we're talking about music, Hong Kong, even though it was a British colony, had much more American influences. So we had Bee Gees and Madonna. Strike the pose. Solid Gold was a American program and they had like the top 10 hits of the billboard charts and actually the radio like RTHK and stuff would play you know like American top 40 so a lot of the influences were actually American when I was young and it was really hard work to try and find British stuff and it was uh, in those days pre-internet it was people bringing back magazines like smash hits <laughs> <laughs> Melody Maker and stuff. I mean, I did like some of, uh, admittedly, I liked, I, I liked a bit of the Bee Gees and all the early sort of 80s stuff. And then it got really cool with like, um, The Clash. came to Hong Kong, right? The Clash. Um, I liked Billy Idol. He's still my favourite now. It's actually one of my dream bucket lists that I will put on a concert by Billy Idol in Hong Kong, but that's a side note. I've actually been in touch with this booking agent and we once tweeted to each other on Twitter. <laughs> so that was the most exciting thing that happened to me five years ago. Crowd and lonely night. Well, I wait so long for my love vibration. 
so like the Clash were really cool and David Bowie and he David Bowie actually came to Hong Kong I didn't really know the early stuff of David Bowie until like he released that let's let's dance right let's dance and he came to Hong Kong in 1983 and I went to that gig, right? It was really, really good. And then I discovered all his early stuff, like the 60s, the 70s. And, and I, I became a diehard David Bowie fan and saw him again in 2004. <laughs> I've been to see Billy Idol. You've seen Billy Idol. So, as a, I mean, as a Hong Kong schoolgirl, you like Billy Idol all the way through. That's a lifelong yes. passion. And David Bowie, The Clash, and locally, what's going on at that time? I didn't follow much of what was going on locally because, to be honest, it was hard to find information. I think we had a lot of Chinese magazines that basically ripped off your smash hits, your melody makers, they would literally take the same posters and just translate the information into Chinese, uh, which is fine. So it was very hard to find out about music and bands in Hong Kong until I actually started playing music and like looking for gigs and then you start it, you, you start seeing other bands playing I mean it was in the Sisters of Sharon in the 90s an all girls band and we started playing with bands just like Anodize who were quite heavy sort of not heavy metal but heavy music and they were the you know forefront of like LMF yeah, in the 90s, they, they were all rap, hip-hop and swearing, but very much, you know, the forefathers of our democracy movement, right? Um, they were anti-government. And it was funny, they, I remember the story of them trying to find a record label and they couldn't. So they said, well, we'll just release our own CDs and stuff. And they managed to sell 30,000 copies of the first one. And, of course, immediately the record labels are knocking on the door going, I will sign you, we'll sign you. And they're like, well, we don't need you anymore, you know, which was great, right? Because I think they're the first Hong Kong band to do that and quite advanced because pe people started doing that all around the world as well. So LMF, were, they were really cool in the 90s. So I did play, I think we did play a gig, couple of gigs with them as the Sisters of Sharon and uh, very cool people. And they're still around. They did a reunion show in December 2019 and it was huge it was sold out really early like six months earlier so a lot of people love them quite cool they were inspiring uh, it made me wish I could rap <laughs> <laughs> in terms of you as a girl I mean in terms of music influences you've talked about but when do you pick up a guitar where are you singing in the bathroom how did that come about I think I took guitar lessons when I was about 10 because I thought it would be cool and then discovered it was actually harder than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really hurts your fingers too. Yeah, yeah. I re-picked it up again later on in my, in my teens because basically I thought it looked cool, right? I'm older now and like, yeah, I was a, I was a punk. Punks weren't popular in Hong Kong and I saw what like people like The Clash and Billy Idol was doing so I was all for, you know, <clears throat> 
getting a few tattoos, dyeing my hair and, and ripping up my clothes and wearing safety pins in my ears. And nobody was doing that here. Okay, well, you were a pioneer, a punk, a punk pioneer in Hong Kong. So, I mean, you still dye your hair. I mean, you often have bits of blue is the recurring colour. So you, you're a lonesome punk. So, so you're wearing this to school or...? Um, yeah, I had, um, yeah, and then, and the school, I went to South Island School, <laughs> they're going to be like, oh God, <laughs> and um, they, okay. you're a celebrity, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have any rules on hair colouring or tattoos, um, but I changed that, you weren't allowed to dye your hair once I came to school with dyed hair, and if you had a tattoo, you had to cover it, right, so, um, yeah, so, oh, <laughs> I just realised my daughters are going to hear this. <laughs> And then because of the way I looked, I think a few people would like, hey, you must like this sort of music. So we were getting like, I was getting mixtapes of different bands, you know. Being a punk in Hong Kong, what was that about for you? Was it just simply emulating what was going on in the UK? Or was this a bit of rebellion going on with you? Or, or, were, your, or were your parents cool with it? No, I liked it because it was, it was in your face, right? I didn't really understand the politics behind it, English punk music. And as you can hear it was more English punk that I was influenced rather than I didn't didn't find out about the Ramones and stuff bands like that till I was full grown adults so. so that's the American side yeah so which actually turns out to be earlier but that's another story <laughs> so yeah it's just that in Hong Kong it was difficult pre-internet and you know finding out information on new bands new music I think I, you've just reminded me I wore chains you know like dog chains <laughs> I used to wear chains on my like <laughs> mini skirts and things like that god knows what people thought of me to be honest I, I it's a giggle really what I think oh good god I mean I don't see anybody doing this stuff like this normally maybe on stage <laughs> when did you seriously decide okay this is really what I want to do and to earn some money from it I mean I, I've been in bands since I was a teenager so I enjoy, I like performing I have to it, it's it's a buzz um, and those who perform in bands know know, know what I mean uh, I don't know I think um, oh, it sounds terrible but I didn't have a plan <laughs> it's only now when I'm older and wiser that I make plans but it was just kind of I'd fall I fall into bands I mean, in the in the 90s, the sisters and there was another band called the Adapters, and this was pre YouTube. Right now, if if you want to like learn, you know, the latest song and you want to do a jazz version of it or hip hop, there's somebody's already done a cover of it that you can mimic within a few hours. It, but I was in bands with people; they could they could you know literally listen to a record and work it out, and we'd be playing it that night, right? Um, and and that's talent i don't think everyone can do that because since since those days i've discovered not everyone can do that and there there are all sorts of musicians and just because some are very technical and able to do things they may not necessarily be very creative as well it takes that's why groups work right somebody might be technical but somebody else is more creative and gets a technical person to do what they want so i mean i mean this is also my thing about youtube i think it's you've got a fantastic social media resource these days to get to get yourself known but at the same time i sometimes feel that when a band is evolving yes it needs that fan support to grow but sometimes i think they need more time to do the grassroots stuff in a way before before they hit the big time and I think YouTube somehow cuts that stage. Yeah, I think I think it does. I mean, I, I, we've all read that 10,000 hours thing, right? Where you have to do something for 10,000 hours and you're an expert. 
Sort of, right? Some people can do 10,000 hours and still not be very good. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and some other people, you know. But yeah, YouTube's good. Uh, if you've got perfect pitch and you can hear the chords, YouTube makes it so easy, right? And it's it's uh, also gives you ideas. Um, that before we used to rely on listening to mixtapes and, and other bands for, you know. And that's actually, I always thought, because I love music, I'm into music, that I'm uh, driven through my ears, yeah. But actually, I'm visually motivated. I, I love watching bands, seeing live performances. So that that's probably why I ended up creating something like The Underground and still really enjoy being in the music business, even though I don't perform as much as I would like to. So. Yeah, so I mean, I would say for me, your sisters of Sharon, but that—that's you've got you've done many other bands as well. But that was where where I first knew about you. Um, but so you you are usually lead guitarist and singer on on. Would you say on, or did you, or was that just sisters? Yeah, that was just sisters. Um, uh, we in the nineties, <laughs> I had far more time to play and practice the guitar and work on it and play leads. I'm just I'm just a rhythm guitarist nowadays and I just use the guitar to write songs. Um, and in fact, in, in the future, I may just be a singer in a band. Um, that's that's one of my next sort of things I want to try and do. Yeah, because I have hidden behind a guitar. Yeah, it's <laughs> it looks cool though. You have to make girls. I mean, I have a theme in the underground called a theme showcase called Girls with Guitars, and that's really popular because everybody likes to see girls with guitars or bass, or whatever. You know, it does work. <laughs> it does work. Yeah, yeah, both sides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you think girls with drums? Oh, you know what? Uh, girls with drums is really cool. And in when I used to go to Beijing like 10 to 12 years ago, I was doing this global battle of the bands. And in Beijing, it seemed like every second band had a female drummer in it. So much that I was like, do you actually have male drummers here, right? Cause, and they were so cool. But yeah, I would say girls on drums are really, really cool. Yeah. it's Because uh, everyone's used to like female lead vocalists, okay. right? What about girls on tubers? <laughs> I'm talking with Chris B, the founder of The Underground. And Chris B, of course, he was a lead singer and member of several bands over the years and um, has used that musical knowledge to also combine and promote other bands in Hong Kong. Now, of course, among those have been a number of bands that have come through The Underground and then gone on to bigger things. So um, can you tell me about some of those? Oh, yeah, that's that's really exciting, actually. That I mean, it's 16 years. Uh, one of my favourites, and um, everyone knows them, my favorite they're called Jukjuk Jup Mo and they're a local Hong Kong Chinese band that sing in English and they played their first gig at the underground I think it was it was 15 or 16 years ago it was really funny it was July and they all had leather jackets on on stage <laughs> but it looked cool didn't it and even that first show we thought wow this band has something and you can see that in a band we we also had actually 16 years ago we had rubber band play at the underground they weren't even called rubber band there and it's the same four members that are still in the band now and i think they won an award in january this year they're, they're really famous so it's really nice that some some bands have been able to use the underground to like just showcase and 
because the underground reviews bands in the first five years we weren't that serious so we would have a few bands that were a bit dodgy come on our stage <laughs> but since then we've we've taken you know more care to really curate a good lineup and yeah back to Jukdamo so in 2008 what does that mean oh all they did was they put a bunch of um, Chinese characters in a hat they threw the hat up in the air and picked up five characters uh, three characters and then the three characters it's a meaningless name but that's really great because you can trademark meaningless words yeah like Chukchamo clock and flap whatever Unfortunately, you can't trademark underground because... <laughs> it was London Underground's already done that. Yeah, and it's, it means something, right? Yeah, you know, if we called it underground or something, <laughs> we could have done it. But that's the side thing. So in 2008, we decided, Koya and I, Koya ran the studio called Mark One Studio, that we'd um, record local bands. And Koya is? Um, Koya is this wonderful Japanese guy who ran the studio, played bass, he left Hong Kong a few years ago, but he was really one of the like amazing supporter of the local music scene. So he came to me, he said, why don't we release compilation CDs for the underground? I was like, what, what? And he said, yeah, I'll record them in the studio. You do everything else. So I, we, we, we picked the bands together, but they were all local bands that we thought had potential, that we wanted to keep a record, you know, support them with recording in a proper studio setting and that was in 2008 and that first year underground cd one jukdutmo was on that cd and every band had two songs and i really loved their song it was number one it's it's very quirky very indie i think if you listen to it you'll see why i like it right and it was great to see that after that they've gone on to do really well i think they uh they played clock and flap a few times they've um released albums they're quite well known in the music scene in hong kong if you follow yeah so but it's nice to see that it's possible <laughs> to, to play at our little showcase and go on and, and then when you read back the reviews on our website you know they're all very positive and obviously we could see that there was a shining star in this band now Juk Jack Mo uh, what sort of music did they do uh, it was like quirky indie bits of punky sort of all over the place they had quite a few genres in there so and it's all sung in English very clever and talented musicians. I think 10 years later, they, they wrote a couple of Cantonese tracks 
but it was very clever if you listen to it you think they're singing in English but they've taken all the Cantonese words that sound like they have an English meaning and put them together that's a lot of time yeah that's uh, it's really clever and actually I used uh, I used the track to show one of my daughters who was struggling with her Chinese to go look you can do smart stuff like this if you read and write Chinese <laughs> Oh, they're, they're taking a break at the moment. Yeah, Jans with R-O-O-T, running out of time, like a jazz rap thing, um, who we had headlining at the FWD Mellow Yellow Music Festival last year. Really cool band. And Mike Orange is the guitarist. I think he's doing, he's also doing something with someone else, and it might be jazz again. I don't know what it is with some musicians. Sorry, no offense, but some musicians seem to explore jazz more when they get to their 40s. I don't know if that's... Uh... So that, that's not hitting you then? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I will never bring out a jazz album or do jazz. You can feel safe, but <laughs> I will always be rock. In fact, I may lean towards heavier rock if possible now, you know. Because <laughs> that's, that's what I like, yeah. And also, there was another band on that Compilation 1 CD called FBI, uh, standing for that stands for Fire, Bird, International. Three local Chinese guys and an Australian guy based here. And they were really exciting live like they they had a huge fan base they were really good fun to watch live lots of theatrics guitars in the air and stuff like that you know the sort of very very good for other bands to watch to to add a little bit of stage you know to your performance right because um i'm not very keen on shoegazers you know musicians who just stare at their shoes as much as their music is good it's i can only watch that for half an hour So you start doing these compilation CDs years ago. Are they still available? Yes, there are. We did them. We did five of them. So that's and these were Hong Kong bands. All Hong Kong bands. Fifty-five bands uh, between two hundred eight to two hundred one two. Even even ten years ago, people were saying, "Look, Chris, CDs are going out of fashion. Nobody wants them." But what was great with them was we recorded quite a number of bands. Some bands would give us their tracks. But quite a lot of them took the opportunity to record with Koizan, experience recording, experience being in a studio, working in a studio environment. And then I, I put them, I distributed them through CD Baby, which is an online music portal. So now they're everywhere. All those songs are on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, YouTube, um, everywhere, which is great. So that's 55 bands. A, a lot of them aren't around anymore for various reasons. Yeah, so, so there's a bit of music, Hong Kong music heritage. Yeah, yeah, a bit of music history for people to, you know, like, like oh, and, and actually, I listened to some of it recently. Wow, some of it sounds... Dated, yes. Some of it sounds really fresh, and it's like, oh, I miss that band. You know, I wish wish they were still together. It's, uh, but that happens, right? It's, uh, it's hard to make money and a living with a band, but also it's hard as we mature. As we mature, we also change, and people. I mean, I remember this band that played the underground. I've forgotten their name, but I remember the singer saying, announcing on stage, going, "Oh, this will be our last gig," and I'd be like, 
afterwards I was like, well, why is it, and this was like 12 years ago, why is it your last gig? He's going, oh, you know, I'm getting married and then we're going to have kids. And I'm like, but it doesn't have to be your last gig, right? You could, you could take a break, I understand, especially with children, good God. But you know, what I've seen is, and that actually happens, sometimes people take a break, but the lure of playing the guitar or being on stage draws them back again, you know, when their kids are older, which is great. Yeah, I don't think... It's in your heart. Don't give it up. <laughs> you know, your wife or your husband shouldn't be stopping you from doing your passion. <laughs> yeah, your, your husband is your is your backbone, really. Isn't yes. He? Yeah. Yeah. He's been very supportive all these years. It's it's. I think it's important. Yeah. It's. Uh, we only have one life to live, right? It's. Uh, let's let's do some of the things we want to do, uh, like rock, like rock, <laughs> like rock. So now, at the moment, of course, with COVID nineteen, it's strange times for live bands, live performances and well ensuring that uh, you know because I think for a lot of people um, or a lot of bands you know the joy of doing a live performance is having an audience there you know so it must be a little bit surreal to be in a position where you're doing a live performance with no audience so but um, there are options like that aren't there? Yes yes uh, I mean I, I was because the Underground puts out a newsletter every two weeks and we normally have a gig guide of the sh all the indie shows coming up in the next two weeks. So, of course, recently we haven't had any shows. And I was like, what are the bands doing now in the, in the downtime? And, and that's great. A lot of bands are focusing on writing new songs. Some are recording. Some are actually attempting to, to live stream, but generally they're not bands. They're like a, a guy on a guitar, which is fair enough, fine. A local venue called The Aftermath, they've had a every Friday, it seems, and it's going to go on for a while, I think. They've been live streaming through YouTube, some bands playing on their stage. Um, no, no live audience, but it's that's been quite fun because you can. There's a chat on YouTube, so you can go, oh, great song, or really like this one, make comments. And to be honest, that's what people miss about going to gigs, right? You generally go to gigs with your friends and, and go, oh, this band's good. And, and, you know, there's that sort of social interaction. So it's nice that you two can re replace that. I think for, for the underground and for me, we're, we're thinking now, not necessarily for our regular showcases, but, you know, the upcoming Mellow Yellow Music Festival that I want to do in September, we might look at if we're not allowed to have a physical live audience, we'll still have the event, but we'll stream it. You know, it, it's different, but it's the best we can do with, you know, the safety and health of Hong Kong people and live music lovers are very important to us. But I know we need entertainment. So so we're, we're looking at that and then we'll see what we can do. But we're going to carry on doing showcases in some shape or form. Yeah, because it is true. difficult times, of course. I mean, you've got a lot of the bars shut at the moment. I mean, that may change in the next few weeks. But, um, you know, what would your advice be for bands? I mean, they can. I mean, it's also an issue here, I think, is it rehearsal space, studio space. Uh, it's not straightforward. You know, um, you see a lot at the moment of people putting even concerts together or choirs or whatever. And you've got a guitarist at one and the, which takes some doing in terms of rhythm and and, and uh, actually combining that sound successfully. Um, but what would your advice for, for bands uh, to keep it going at the moment? Oh, totally. I think I think now. I mean, uh, I mean, some bands they already actually said two o two o is a year of like not playing gigs and writing songs, so they have no excuses now. And it's great in because we actually you actually do need a, you know for original music you actually need a number of hours, maybe twenty to thirty hours per song. You have to put it together, then work out if you're in a group 
who's you know what you're doing on bass how you know how it opens the outro everything you know like should we add some harmonies here so there's a lot of work which can be done and in this day and age i can i can email a file to my fellow bandmate and and you know it's actually much easier so hopefully we find that by the end of this year or by 2021 there's a lot of great music coming out of this you know not just reactions like as we we've been seeing a lot of parodies and reactions you know like panic fear fearful songs and panic songs um and let's let's all be happy together songs there's a lot of those right which is great but let's you know let's let's hope there's more coming out you know people joke that you know nine months time we're going to see a lot of babies well hopefully a lot of them are songs (laughs) it's always a fun chat with chris b of the underground if you'd like to find out more about the underground or see chris's blog then you can go on to her facebook page chris b underground or her website undergroundhk.com and the underground compilations are available on spotify and itunes among others so have a listen to those bands in the studio so a happy 16th birthday to the underground thanks for listening and join me next week on hong kong heritage